Welcome to Zero Broke Girls. I'm Jules. And I'm Joe. We started Zero Broke Girls as a way to empower women to take control of their money. We think the first step is to simply start talking about it. So that's what we're going to do. We're so grateful you've joined us for this week's episode. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Today we are talking to Jennifer, and we loved this conversation. She's had a lot of experience with money, both bad and good, and she shares it with us today. Over the past two decades, Jennifer has developed a deep knowledge of real estate and construction while building an award-winning interior design firm. She's a leading businesswoman and was a finalist for the Businesswoman of the Year Award in 2018. Jennifer's mandate has always been to work and collaborate with women. It was during her time in the interior design business that she noticed a lack of female representation in the real estate investment world, as well as underrepresentation in construction, property development, and private lending. Jennifer founded Wire Investment Corporation in 2019. She wanted to create wealth and opportunity for female investors. Using a model that allows for pooling of capital to lower the point of entry, Wire Investment helps get women into the real estate game. Jennifer believes that female capital in talent, insight, and experience, as well as money, is one of the great untapped resources, and we couldn't agree more. Jennifer's also had some personal experiences early on with money when it came to marriage, being a stay-at-home mom, and divorce. There's just so much to learn from her story, from a personal perspective and professional perspective. I'm sure you'll find it as inspiring as we did. Hello, hello. Well, listen, let's uh, just jump right in. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about some of your early experiences with money? You know, as a young girl, I left home really young. As a teenager, I was 17 when I left home. I did not have a great family home. So finished high school. My whole last year of high school, I lived with my best girlfriend and her family. And I worked. I was, uh, I always had a job. Um, Was working at Kelsey's. And I got into Western a year early. Went to university, worked all through school and paid my own way for my degree. My parents did not contribute a dollar towards my education. Um, I worked in three different bars to pay for my degree. After I graduated, I moved to Ottawa for, to be with my ex-husband, but I didn't want to live with him. I got my own place and I wanted to be independent. So I I was always independent as a young person and self-sufficient. And I had a strong work ethic And then we got married and, you know, I still had a lot of ambition until I had my first son. And then I think what happened is my maternal instinct was so strong, like in an animal kingdom way, like I just could not Mm -hmm. leave that boy with anybody. And so I quit my job to stay home. And at that time, you know, my husband's career was, he, he, when we met, he wasn't any more successful than me. We came from a similar backgrounds. And at that time he was starting to make a little more money. So he was making enough money that he could support the three of us. We made the decision together that I would stay home. And so even though I had been independent for so many years already, I, I automatically felt like it was his money because he was the one earning it. 
I tried to be um, informed as to like what was coming in every month and on, on top of, you know, where that money was going. But it always seemed like because it was his money, I, I tiptoed around it a lot. Like yeah. I, I didn't feel like I had the power to make big decisions or, or to control what we did with that money. And so, you know, again, I, like you said, I was young. I was 23 when I met him. 25 when I married him. So I think, you know, and then staying home for so long, I had a second son and, and, um, I just think that, yeah, you're not earning. So you don't feel like it's, it's your money. So you went off work when you had your first son and stayed home, um, while the kids were little, then we understand that you did get divorced. Can you talk a little bit about some of the financial implications when you got divorced? Absolutely. Um, so I lost my home. I lost um, access to credit. That's a big one. So one of the really key piece of advice I would give to women, even if you choose to stay home with your children, which, you know, is uh, I'll, I never judge a woman for her decisions, whether she works or stays home. Um, keep your own credit. So if nothing's in your name and you're not doing any of the buying, everything's in his name. And now you find yourself single, you have no credit. That's so true. So, um, I would highly recommend, you know, you take lending when you don't need it. Never wait to get a loan when you're desperate for it. (laughs) You know, ask for lending when you don't need it. So, don't close out credit cards that you never use. Leave them open at zero balance. Take a line of credit if you can get it, even if you don't plan to use it, and so on. Build your credit when you're young. When you were when you were married, did it even when everything was in his name, did it ever occur to you that everything was in his name? Or did you worry about that? Or was it something that only later was kind of a hindsight? Well, it, it's twofold, right? Like so if if you're not earning, then there is no advantage from a, a lending perspective to have you on title. So it's really, it's it's more of a formality, but that formality is worthwhile to pursue. I never even would have thought about that. So if you were to go buy a house and you don't have an income that's going to be supporting it, you're just left off it? Yeah, like they don't need you on title to support the lend. Right. The funding of it. So if you're on title, it's a formality. It's 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 basically your choice. So I lost my house. I lost my credit because I remember going for my first business loan. And I'm dead serious, ladies. Bankers would ask, um, do you think that your ex-husband would co-sign? No. Oh my God. And <laughs> can you imagine like, no, he's definitely not going to co-sign my new business loan because he's not married to me anymore. Right. I, I know of another business owner in Ottawa who's a woman who, who is quite successful and her husband. So she's the breadwinner in the family. And when she went to get a line of credit for her business, they wanted her cu- her husband to co-sign. Why? Yeah. So because it's still the banking uh, world is still backwards, 
you know, women are flaky. Women might get pregnant. We talk about this all the time. I mean, even my own financial advisor today, Mm -hmm. I mean, on paper, I make a lot more money than my husband does because he keeps his money in his business, which they don't necessarily see. Mm -hmm. And they email him and ask him to talk to me about things. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, why isn't she responding? And it's like, maybe talk to me directly. Yeah. 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 Crazy that that still goes on. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, this isn't just anecdotal evidence. Like there's lots of stats available about how women owned businesses only get 4% of venture capital of all venture capital. Yeah. We also brought up this stat in our intro episodes, such a small amount. We're 50% of the population. Yeah. And women owned businesses earn more. They statistically do better, Mm -hmm. more successful. Yeah. Right. So there's a big lending problem. Yeah, there really is. So if we get back to your story, we know you started a business. Around what time was that? Was that around the same time as your divorce? Can you tell us a little bit more about the business you started? You know, when the boys were both in school, I started my design firm. I started taking courses at night at Algonquin and I was doing design work for, you know, friends and family and neighbors and started realizing that I could probably make a run at this. Um, people were willing to pay me for my skills. And I started the company in 2008, but it was very part-time because the boys were little. And then the marriage collapsed in 2012 and uh, it was sink or swim. It was either, okay, there was a lot of pressure from uh, the lawyers on the other side to go and get a real job. But I'd been out of the workforce for a decade. So a real job, my best option was like a sales rep job. And I was going to start out making $45,000 a year. And at this point, my my husband's had a decade, you know, to work on his career. And he's making big money at this point, right? So I said, you know what, I actually just believe in myself and I'm going to make a go at it. And I decided to keep working on the business and build that business. And by 2015, I hired my first employee and it really started to explode. And I built a million dollar business in interior design. That's so impressive. So do you remember the feelings as you were going through that, starting fresh, betting on yourself? That's a really hard thing to do. Where was your mind at? Totally. So I remember feeling, um, it's it's a well-known thing, but I didn't know it then, uh, the imposter syndrome. Like, who the hell is going to hire me? <laughs> Why would they hire me? You know, like, I'm nobody. I just started this design business as, like, a part-time gig. And now, you know, am I going to make it? Am I going to be able to support myself and my children? A lot of self-doubt, a lot of fear. Because it is an easier route to go you know, get a full-time job with benefits that you know what money come in every month. It's, it's an easier route to have predictability. And I had no predictability. I didn't know what jobs I would land and when. What ultimately swayed you to to bet on yourself versus taking that job? Because I can only imagine all of the other elements of going through a divorce would have you in a very low spot. Yeah. I think a big piece of it is that I grew up in an entrepreneurial family So even though we were a little dysfunctional, my dad was an entrepreneur and my mother worked with him. So growing up, every dinner table conversation was about the business. They they had a small business. It was security systems in the 80s and they would talk about payroll and 
you know, supply chain management. And um, so I felt like I had like a crash course in small business at the dinner table and just honestly, just straight confidence. And I believed in myself, even though I had that self-doubt and the imposter syndrome, I really, I thought I could make more money for myself than I could in that $45,000 a year salary sales rep job. And I was willing to take a chance on myself. And how long did it take you from when you started to get to a million dollars revenue? We hit a million in 2018. So the marriage ended in 2012. So six years. So you mentioned when you started your business that you ran into a lending problem due to your credit. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to apply for lending as a female business owner, specifically as a single female business owner? If you're a business owner and you're female and you're single, it's next to impossible to get lending. Now, you know, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of talk about supporting women in business and all the banks have these campaigns about, you know, um, supporting women in business. But when it comes down to it, I'd love to see the numbers of what's, you know, what percentage of loans are going to female owned businesses in 2020 as compared to 2016. And I bet you there's not, not much of a difference. Uh, one thing that I've learned because I'm single and because I'm self-employed is that the banks, the big banks are not your best option or not your only option. Sorry. So if you get rejected by a bank, do not take that as, okay, well, I can no longer start that business or I can no longer buy that property. There are other options and, um, private lending is something that I've utilized on my last three properties. And yes, you're going to pay a little bit of a higher rate, but you will have a much easier time, less hassle, more freedom. There are other factors to consider than just your interest rate. So if you can get private money and that's the only way you can start your business or or buy your property, then go for it. Don't be afraid of private lending. Canada has very strict laws you know, in the States, you know, they're, they're pretty loose when it comes to that and, and people get away with charging crazy rates. But in Canada, we're, we're pretty conservative. And I just think that a lot of women are scared if, if they can't get lending from, you know, one of the big banks, they, they just give up. And, and I, I think that, you know, it's important to look at all your options. And how did you discover private lending? So I was working with a mortgage broker who I'll have to give credit to. He brought it to me. He said, you know, we've been declined from all the big banks. So here's your next best option. Um, I, w- I wouldn't have known about it otherwise. A good mortgage broker will will have contacts for other options that aren't just big banks. This is the reason um, I came up with WIRE, which is Women in Real Estate Investment. So the company's called WIRE Investment. So two summers ago, I met three girlfriends on a patio for lunch. It's a beautiful summer day and we're sitting on the patio and all three of them happen to be married. I'm the only single one. And they get talking about how the fact that all three of their husbands had attended a meeting that day. It was an investment meeting for uh, real estate. So there was there was a builder who was looking to raise some capital to put together, um, to build a retirement home. 
And so all three of their husbands had been invited to the meeting and the, the buy-in was super low. I think the minimum buy-in was 75,000. So like, you know, not crazy. doesn't, it, it's achievable for a lot of people. So 75 K buy-in and they're asking each other, are, are you guys going to do it? Are you guys going to do it? And I'm sitting there passively and I just, it just dawns on me. And I say, were any of you invited to the meeting? And they say, Oh no. And I say, okay. And I'm thinking, and I say, can you text your husband and ask if there were any women invited to the meeting? So she texts her husband and uh, he says, no, there was no women at the table at all. Wow. And I just, I, this light bulb went off and I, I realized, so, so one of the three worked full time. The other two did not work, but it, it's irrelevant because 50%, that money is still theirs. So I had a brainwave. It's, it's not that they don't have access to the money, the, the women, they're not being asked. And so I, I, this is how I came up with this concept. So I want to put together a private equity fund that is female capital only with a low threshold for entry. So 50,000. And I'm going to ask women for money. Do you want to go in on this real estate deal, 50K buy-in, and you get a set rate of return and so on? And because it just, it, it made me realize that they have access to the money, but only the husbands are being asked. It's so true. I love your concept. The low entry, it makes it accessible to, you know, so many other people. Like most people don't have the full amount to start putting into investment properties, but Real estate is such a great investment. So it's amazing. There are other firms doing the exact same thing, right? This isn't a new concept. There are lots of real estate firms, private equity firms that specialize in real estate, but the buy-in typically is quarter of a million. Right. And and so that's gonna that's gonna eliminate women, a lot of women, because we're the truth is we're still not making the same amount as our male counterpart, even for the same work. Yeah. So and we're behind, we're, we're hundreds of years behind. Like the first women, the first generation of women to have jobs was my mother. Exactly. We've been yeah. talking about that a little bit as well. Yeah. So are there other firms doing women specific or women only? Like, have you come across that before? No. So to my knowledge, we are the only firm in Canada that takes exclusively female capital. So we could go out and we could um, take male capital and, we, and and it would be cheaper. We could pay less for it, but that's not the concept. That's not what I want to do. I want to raise female capital only and I want to put together a private equity fund that is exclusive to women and I want to create wealth for women and that's the big, hairy, audacious goal. Love well, it. honestly though, but I feel like our... I, at least with my friends, I have a lot of friends who are late twenties, not married, who have fifty thousand dollars or more in savings and aren't doing anything with it because they can't afford to buy a million dollar condo in Toronto. So they're saving and they're renting, but they're not doing anything with their money. Like I feel like if they knew that that was an option, I mean, we were talking to someone. That's what she was saying. She had like one hundred and twenty grand saved, and she's like, I just can't get into the market, so I'm going to go get an MBA. Right. And it's like, well, if we knew that we had other options and there were other ways besides just putting your name on a mortgage, right. 
yeah. maybe we would be smarter. Maybe we would make 12%. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I think that women love real estate. Women um, inherently understand real estate. Women make most of the decisions when it comes to home buying, neighborhood. Um, women care about where the good schools are and um, what the neighborhood is like. Women want to set up a home for their families. Women love real estate, but the hassle of hiring contractors and you know performing renovations and then property management and all of that keeps them out of the game because it's just too much work. And not to mention, you know, requiring if it's not your personal residence, you need twenty percent down and and yeah. the whole financial piece. But I think you know they they love real estate. They'd like to be involved in real estate. They just you know so pooling capital capital in this way uh, makes a lot of sense. Oh, completely. It's overwhelming sometimes to get involved, right? And investments, you don't necessarily know, like, where should I be looking? What should I be? You're doing research. So having something that is women focused, I think is huge. And it's amazing that it's, yeah, accessible for a lot of people. Well, for me, you know, it's, it's important to make money. But for me, at this stage of my career, I, I really need that bigger meaning. That's just something I'm really, I'm really passionate about. And, you know, because I stayed home for 10 years with my kid, I was out of the workforce for a decade. And because my marriage had ended at the end of that decade, and I had to start over, I'm really passionate about creating wealth for women and bringing them along with me. And I plan to make a lot of wealth for myself and them. Um, and it's just really exciting. It's it's so much more motivating than just, you know, redesigning people's bathrooms. That makes sense. So one of your first properties with Wire was Echo Drive. Timing wasn't great for that. You put it on the market right before COVID. Yeah. So a house on Echo Drive, that was an investment project with Wire. So I had investors on this. So it was a purchase and a renovation. It was supposed to be a flip. We hit the market, so I finished the renovation on time, on budget, hit the market, I think it was March 10th. So right before the shutdown, literally days before the shutdown. I was going to say the, the week of yeah. COVID. Wow. The week COVID came to Canada. Literally couldn't have been worse timing. Um, and I didn't have a single showing for three months because people were afraid to enter into other people's homes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a big you know, hit to the business plan, but embedded in the business plan from day one was that if it hadn't sold by September 30th, that I would refinance the property at the new value because now, you know, I paid 1.1 for the property. Now it's worth 2.2. So I refinance, I take out the equity and I pay back my investors. So I always had that backup plan. Um, it is not what I wanted to do, uh, but mm-hmm. It was important to me to follow through and pay people back on time. Again, because these are all women investors and I want them to feel confident to do this with me again. Uh, Moved the boys in, so we're living here temporarily. I took it off the market and I sold my personal cottage in order to make it all work. So um, I was willing to make some tough decisions in order to pay back my investors with their interest. So they all made their 12 points. Wow. 
not the end of the world because now I'm living in this beautiful home on the Rideau Canal. It is so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. So, you know, I'm not crying, uh, you know, the blues here, but I will put it back on the market and it will sell and I will make my money. So I haven't lost my profit margin. It's just delayed. And -hmm. therefore I've already taken on another project. So I just bought a property um, back out in Stittsville that I plan to subdivide and sell the lots. Um, and all of my investors, except one, came back in on the next project. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't always go, you know, any business and anything in life, whether it's business or your personal life or whatever, nothing, not everything will always go perfectly according to plan. And you have to be flexible and willing to pivot. And luckily, I have teenagers and <laughs> they didn't mind moving. <laughs> Um, but I'll do it again and again, and I won't always have to live in every place, uh, that I flip. So you're obviously very impressive and you have a lot of experience, both positive and negative when it comes to money. How would you describe your money mindset? So money mindset, I think I'm really comfortable with risk and I think I have a high tolerance for stress. I sleep eight hours a night, no problem. And I think that that's a real leg up. I think I have a huge advantage because I'm a good sleeper and I really believe in myself and I have a wealth mindset. Like I, I plan to make a lot of money. Love that. So we also understand that you're involved in something else called SheEO. Can you talk about that? What they're doing is um, their members each chip in a thousand dollars and that money gets pooled uh, 50 women um, pool a thousand dollars and that fifty thousand dollars goes out to a female owned business at zero percent interest. It's a five year loan. Wow. When they pay it back, um, you can choose to get your money back or you can choose to reinvest and most people choose to reinvest. And so it becomes a perpetual fund for women in business. And Vicki Saunders um started CEO. I came across her on YouTube and that's what uh, to my interest, but the concept was we know that women can't get lending, so we're going to start our own fund. And I, I love the concept. Um, I'd like to take it a, a whole other level, and I want to start private lending for women. So we pool our money. You know, if I was divorced and I struggled to get a mortgage, let's start a private mortgage uh, fund for for women. Let's do it. Amazing. Let's let's take these issues that women face and let's start solving them. Let's get women together. That's right. to and them. that's what I remember the thing that stuck in my head about what Vicky said on her it was a TEDx talk that she did. Um she said, you know, we can't change the existing system. We've been trying to change the system. It doesn't work. We need to start our own system. For sure. I love mm-hmm. that so much. Absolutely. Yeah, because I honestly feel like starting a new system might be easier than changing the one that exists. Exactly. With all the issues in the current system, 100%. Like, let's start fresh and build it to make it work for everyone. People at the top who are making the decisions, we're not in equal numbers up there. No, not even close. Well, and this is why the cycle keeps going, right? Like, they're going to keep picking people that are like them and nobody likes change 
And there's literally no incentive for them to change. I had never heard of SheEO before I kind of started doing some some research on you. And I, I mean, it's an amazing concept. Yeah. No, I mean, it also speaks to like the generosity of women. Yeah. Where it's not just about the ROI. That's right. And it's actually about moving ahead the cause, which I find is a little bit different than what we've seen historically from male run organizations. Exactly. Because we are community builders. We, we want to help, you know, it's that whole takes a village. Like we, we want to help each other raise each other's children and better each other's lives. And, and that's a maternal instinct. Yeah. That's another thing that Joe and I have talked about more money in women's hands too. It's just better for the world overall because they're giving more of it back. They're investing it into the community. They're building, you know, positive things. So there's just so much good that Mm -hmm. comes out of it all. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what makes us different. Okay, Jen, our final question, and it's a question we ask everyone. So what is a piece of advice or one thing that you wish you knew about money sooner in life? Um, I think you know, first and foremost, I don't have a daughter. If I had a daughter, I, I would, the first thing I would want to teach her is to always strive to be financially independent. That would be the big takeaway for me, regardless of how solid your marriage is. Be independent because a marriage is not a retirement plan. Private lending is a big one. We touched on that. And, um, Real estate is really some of the wealthiest people throughout history have been landowners. There are so many different ways you can get into the real estate game. You don't have to be flipping yourself. You don't have to be, you know, a landlord, but diversify your portfolio. Like do, you know, have your investments, have, you know, be in the stock market, whatever you decide. But real estate is a great way to diversify. I can't wait to send all my friends to Amazing. wire. Yeah. I know. So on that topic, actually, like if people do want to get involved, is it as simple as going to the website yeah. and filling out a contact? Send me an email. Or? I'm, um, I'm working on, I've, uh, so I've finished my capital raise for the current project in Stittsville. Um, but I always want to have a list of women who are interested. And then what I plan to do is shop each business plan. So each building will have its own business plan and women can choose to be involved in one and, and not the next. And maybe they get involved in the third and not the fourth and so on. So um, I'll give preference to those who have invested before, um, but always looking for new investors. Amazing. Well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on today. Well, and, and thanks so much for having me. Like people agree, women agree, like we have to do more and we have to talk about these things with each other because men are doing it. They're doing it so often. That's the problem. And men are playing around a golf and having a beer and saying, hey, I'm looking at this property on Bank Street. Do you want to go in for, do you want to toss in a hundred K and, you know, be, let's start a partnership and women aren't talking to each other like that. So completely true. What a great conversation. Thanks again so much for coming on. It was so amazing to hear your story and to hear about everything that you're doing and everything you're involved in. Thank you so much. Okay, bye girls. Do 
don't forget to subscribe. And join us every Tuesday for a money date wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Zero Broke Girls for details on upcoming episodes, how to find our guests, and more. As always, if anything you hear sparks something you'd like to talk or learn about, let us know. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us. We can't wait to chat next week.